If you're visiting with us, we are working our way through the um, book of 1 Timothy. And so, uh, last week was part 1, and we looked at verses 3 through 16. This week, we're going to look at verses 1 through 2. It is interesting that uh, the Apostle Paul says in two verses how everybody else is supposed to be treated, and then verses 3 through 16 as to how widows should be treated. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would be with us as we open your word, and I ask that uh, you would teach us by your Spirit. Help us to... um, to honor you and to love our Lord Jesus Christ more because he purchased uh, his blessed church with his own blood. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a personal crisis last night before I went to bed. I laid out my uh, clothes for church and my feet rebelled. Since I was going to wear a pink tie with a, I'm sorry, a pink shirt with a blue tie, I decided to wear my pink uh, and blue socks. And as I laid them out, my feet rebelled. So I've got my my pink and blue socks on today. I, I kind of feel like uh, what the that the witch that the house fell on in uh, the Wizard of Oz with these socks. My feet hate these socks. Uh, my, feet, my feet think that it is embarrassing to wear pink. Uh, the upper half of my body doesn't mind pink because Mandy says that pink uh, goes with my complexion. <laughs> uh, but since the, the pink on my socks does nothing for my complexion, my feet feel that they should not have to wear pink. So, what happened last night was my feet ran out of the house and I couldn't go after them since I had no feet. So, of course, this is a silly story. I was very fearful that it might bomb completely right at the beginning and I'd have to finish it. So, thank you for being gracious and and giggling along with me for a few moments. But this story underscores an important point. Our congregation is not a loose collection of individuals that meet on Sunday for worship. Rather, we are a body. Paul reminded the congregation in Corinth that they were a body when he said to them, and now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And he put the emphasis not on the individual, but on the collection of individuals, because they were the one body of Christ. As I mentioned last week, in our culture, organized religion is viewed as a bad thing. Therefore, church membership is generally viewed as a bad thing, or at least unimportant or optional. Even among Christians, church membership is viewed with suspicion. Uh, and there are deficient views of the church that might be contributing to uh, this suspicion. In Western society, the church is viewed in the same category as charity organizations. Churches are just one many, 
are just one of many voluntary uh, charity organizations in the minds of many. Since you are the volunteer, you get to set your level of commitment. And you set, you alone set the terms for your withdrawal. And then there's a second deficient view of the church. Uh, this view sees the church as a, um, as a service provider for your soul. You come to church, you fill up your spiritual tank, and off you go for another week. Well, the church is not a charity organization or a service provider for the soul. This is to turn the church upside down. The church does not exist, first of all, to serve people. Rather, the church exists, first of all, to bring glory to God. The same tendency occurs sometimes in how we view worship. We turn the worship upside down uh, when we think of the leaders as the performers and the congregation as the audience. The leaders in a worship service like myself, Dale, the choir, Bonnie, the leaders are in Jimbo, the leaders are simply servants to assist the congregation in performing God-centered worship. So, in biblically speaking, you are the performers. I am the servant to help you in your performance, but God is the audience. We come to worship Him. He is at the center. He is the focus of our worship. So the church exists for God. The church is the expression of God's love for a lost world um, as it is the body of Christ. Uh, the church as the church proclaims the gospel and loves one another in the body of Christ, the church provides a powerful testimony for how God loves sinners. The gospel tells the world that God loves sinners. That He loves sinners so much that He sent His, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be our Savior. And then as we love one another in the body of Christ, it proclaims to the world that the gospel is real. That the gospel transforms sinful and selfish people into a body, into a family of God where we love one another, where we bear with one another, where we forgive one another, where we serve one another. Jesus said, by your love, one for another, will the world know that I exist. The word church comes from the uh, Greek compound word, ekklesia. Ek means out. Uh, kaleo means um, to call. So, ecclesia, basically the called out ones. The church is the assembly of the called out ones. When God calls us out of the world, He calls us to Himself. Thus, the Bible calls the church the people of God, the children of God, even the flock of God. We no longer then belong to ourselves. We belong to God. 
He is our Father. He is our life. He is our priority. God's ownership and authority extends over our life, over our thoughts, over our desires, over our family, over our money, over everything. Our identity is to be found in our relationship with God. Furthermore, the Bible not only says we are the people of God, it says that we are the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave Him as head over all things, the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Colossians 1 and Colossians and Ephesians 3 give the cosmic significance of the church and its testimony to Christ's preeminent glory. In other words, the church exists to tell not only sinners, but all creation, all powers, that Christ is glorious in His grace. So Colossians 3 verses 15 through 20. He, talking about Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and, bef- and, and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's a mouthful. But he is saying here that the church is to display the preeminence of Christ. Paul essentially says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says that grace was given to him to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This, is what, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the church is the people of God. The church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. In 1 Timothy, Paul gives uh, the church an additional title in chapter 3 verse 1. Paul called the church the household of God. In other words, we're God's family. The church is an organic community, a covenant community, or we could say a church family. The church is not a civic club or a civic organization where your tithes are your membership dues. Our decision-making process in the church is not driven by what the membership desires, but what God requires. For a people pleaser like me, I struggle with this from time to time because I want to do what's popular. And I have to check myself and say, but is it biblical? And hopefully those two things line up um, hand in glove, but sometimes they don't. 
Last week we saw that the existence of a membership list for the widows of the church reminds us that membership lists are not a bad thing. Just the opposite. Membership lists are necessary. Uh, Justin just uh, a few moments ago read about the membership list for the widows. They had to be 60 years old uh, minimum. And they had to be uh, known to have done good works. And we could go on and on. We talked about that at length last week. Uh, We saw last week in the book of Acts how the early church was counting heads and keeping records. 5,000 joined the church in one day. 3,000 on another day. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered in an upper room. And so they had a regard to numbers. Uh, Peter told the, the elders in 1 Peter 5 to shepherd the flock that is among you exercising oversight of them. Now, how could they effectively uh, do that if there was not a defined membership? Similarly, the Hebrews, or Hebrews 13 verse 17 exhorts the congregation to obey your leaders and to submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. This assumes a well-defined membership. Why am I making such a big deal about church membership? Well, the essence of church membership is our commitment to each other. We are a church family with responsibilities and obligations to one another. The New Testament is replete with these non-negotiable one another statements. Love one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Forgive one another. And it goes on and on. There's like 80... um, between 80 and 90 of these kinds of statements, these one another statements. It's easy to lose focus on these mutual obligations. And a case in point is Christian fellowship. Uh, The Bible talks about fellowship, but it's easy to redefine what Christian fellowship is. We've turned it into an activity Fellowship is much more than, a, than Christian uh, social activity. Even where we have a Bible study and prayer, Christian fellowship is even more than that. Christian fellowship is not simply an, an activity. It's a relationship. Remember what the, what, uh, remember what the, uh, the infant church described as its priorities in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, with the definite article, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In other words, fellowship is the sharing of a common life with other believers. A life that we share together with God and with Uh, His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. Fellowship is a relationship, not merely an activity. The early church saw themselves as living stones that were being built into a spiritual house. To paraphrase 1 Peter 2, verse 5. They They saw themselves as being fellow members of the body of Christ. In other words... We belong to one another in the body of Christ. 
along with all the privileges and responsibilities that such a relationship entails. Paul assumes that this relationship, or he, he assumes this relationship when he gives the household rules in verses 1 and 2. So in verses 1 and 2, uh, we read, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, all in purity. Paul is uh, concerned that because the congregation in Ephesus is a church family, each person must be treated with respect. He speaks of how Timothy is to treat the older men, and it is very likely that it is the older men in the church who are spreading the heresy that Timothy was sent to Ephesus to address. So Timothy, Paul is, is instructing him, should not go in with, bun, with both guns blazing. Rather, he was to, and it specifically says, rebuke. He was to uh, rebuke them with gentleness and respect like one would do with his own father. Young people, showing respect to your elders is not just uh, cultural convention. Uh, Young people, I want you to look at me. All young people, I want you to make eye contact with me. All right, I'm trying to make eye contact with you. Um, This is what you should do every time an older person addresses you. Not just an elderly person, but someone who is older than you. Make eye contact with them. Let them know that you are listening to them. If they extend a hand to you, extend a hand back to shake their hand. Uh, Give them the respect that is due um, them as being older than you. And if you're running out to play with your friends and an older person speaks to you, come to a full stop. Look them in the eye. If you don't know their name, be polite enough to ask their name so that you'll know their name the next time. Listen to them. Show respect. Show humility when speaking to your elders. Paul next tells Timothy how he was to treat the younger men. Paul, I'm sorry, Timothy himself was considered a younger man, probably in his mid uh, to early 30s. Timothy was to treat the younger men differently than the older men. If Timothy was to rebuke them, uh, if necessary, he was to do it as a brother. He was not simply to treat them as a peer, but as a brother. In other words, what Paul's saying here is that harsh uh, rebukes were not allowed, even for someone who is your peer. Harsh rebukes um, and harsh words are typically used to manipulate an outcome rather than correct a wayward brother. In verse 2, Paul tells Timothy how he should treat older women. He was to treat them as mothers. They should be loved and listened to. They should be protected and cared for. Even if Timothy had to correct them It must be done with soft words and with a very considerate mannerism. 
And then finally, Paul also told Timothy how he was to treat the younger women. He was to treat them as sisters in all purity. This implies that Timothy was to treat the younger ladies with younger ladies with the tender affection that a brother should have toward his sisters. But he must do so, Paul warned, in all purity. And I imagine you have heard the horror stories of a pastor abandoning his wife and family to run off with one of the ladies in the church. Nothing can destroy a church more quickly. It can crush the faith of the congregation and ruin the reputation of the church for many decades to come. And so Paul warns Timothy, treat them as sisters. Be brotherly affectionate, but in all purity. I think this goes for all the men of the church as well. You treat your sister in Christ as a sister in Christ, but in all purity. No flirtations are allowed. The church is the people of God. The church is the body and bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit has indwelt us so that we have a common life that we share together with God the Father and God the Son. So how are you at sharing your life with one another here in our congregation? It's my hope, it is my expectation that a lot of the life of our church takes place outside of these ten beautiful acres that God has given us. It is my hope and my expectation that um, a lot of the life of the church takes place over the phone lines as you are calling one another, encouraging one another, checking up on one another. That it takes place in the coffee shops or in your homes as you share your life one with another. We, in Christ, are one body. We have a common life together. And in hearkening back to my opening illustration, we are one body in Christ. A foot cannot just up and leave for any old reason. Romans 14 verse 19 says, Let us pursue what makes for peace, and for mutual upbuilding without qualification. Our Lord Jesus Christ sought our peace with, with our Father. He sought our peace without qualification while we were still sinners. He came here and lived the perfect life that we failed to live. He went to that awful cross and paid for all our sins. That we might have peace with our Father. And so as His followers, as, as members of His body, as His bride, we are required to pursue peace and mutual upbuilding regardless. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that You would help us to live in a way in the household of God that honors you and honors each other. Father, I pray that you would help us to show respect to each other 
in every circumstance. And Lord, where we sin against each other, I pray that we would be quick to forgive. Lord, we are not only the people of God called out from the world, but we are also a hospital for sinners. And we're going to sin against each other. God, I ask that you would help us to be kind, compassionate, forgiving, with lots of forbearance, because in so doing, we honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in so doing, we shine brightly before a watching world and bring glory and honor to Christ, who is our preeminent Savior. We pray in His name. Amen.